But today, before we take the opportunity to dig into the word, we have an actual surprise that we want you to be a part of. We have a couple in the church that has decided that, you know what, enough is enough. We want to do things right. They decided they want to get married. So we're going to do a quick wedding, and then we're going to go ahead and dig into the word. Is that all right? All right, here we go. Well, I guess that by now you figured out that we're not actually having a wedding, right? All right, you guys can roll out. Come on, get out the way now. Let's get to this. <laughs> We've been on a series entitled Travel Light for the last several weeks. And I want you to really lean into God's word today. Not to my opinion. I'm not here to give you some fluff talk. I want you to consider the truth in God's word. I want you to really lean into God today because I believe that today is a divine appointment with God. I believe that anytime we open our hearts to the word of God, that it has power to unleash in our lives, to change us, to transform us, to renew us, and to revive us. And so I think that, you know, as you, you all do know that that was not a real wedding, right? We didn't intend to marry anyone. But I'll tell you why you know this. Because you recognize immediately that you can't marry what's living with what's dead. You can't marry what's living with what's dead. They, don't, they can't connect. It'll never work. And the reality is that there are too many people trying to do just that. Whether you are a follower of Christ or you are not, the reality is that there are too many people trying to live with dead things, to carry things throughout the journey of life that create weight, and worry and rob you of worship and rob you of freedom and rob you of vision and direction for your life. So let me speak to you first as a follower of Christ, for those of you that follow Christ. You believe, we believe that we have life in Christ while still carrying on with sinful habits, relationships, environments, desires, and somehow we convince ourselves that while thinking that way, acting that way, living that way, doing those things, and still loving Christ and following Christ, that we're actually enjoying the life that God has created us to enjoy. That's not an abundant life. For you who might not follow Christ, you believe that your way is the right way, but the truth is it never fulfills you. It brings no peace. Life is a fight, it's a struggle, it's a rat race, and enough is never enough. And in this series that we've been in, talking about traveling light, what we've been looking at is that life really is a journey. And unfortunately, too many of us do what we do when we go on vacation in life. We don't just pack for the journey. We pack up and we overpack. The problem is we never unpack. We carry it. And it weighs upon us. See, our life is not meant to be burdened. And specifically, as it, as it alludes to dead weight, dead weight kills 
the soul. Dead weight kills the soul. It infects, it, it incites decay, it will eat you alive. While you are living, you will literally be dying. It's for that reason that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus reminds us, and we've been looking at this over the last several weeks, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. But watch where rest happens. Rest doesn't happen in the external. See, we want relief in our circumstances. We want change in the things happening. We want people to, to leave. We want our things to be transformed on the outside. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest where? For your souls. See, and the soul is where we carry the weight. It's what we tell ourselves, it's what we believe, it's the hurts we hold on to, it's the things that warp our thinking, that distort the truth. And Jesus says, I don't want you to carry that. I don't want you to carry that. I don't want you to carry dead weight. Because you can't have life in abundance. You can't have life and peace with God. You can't find your purpose and destiny for the call that God has placed upon you while trying to still hold on to dead circumstances. Dead thing. Let me be very, let me, can I get up close and personal? You know I love you, right? Dead people. See, once you start dying in the soul, everything starts dying. Once you start dying in the soul, Everything starts dying. And it's for that reason that in verse 30 of Matthew 11, Jesus says to us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me ask you a question. How are you traveling through life? Are you heavy? Are you burdened? Are you overwhelmed? Are you worrying? Is life a weight? Is following Jesus a struggle? My friend, if it is, I'm telling you right now, the answer lies in the very words of Jesus. He says, come to me, learn from me. Let me give you rest in the soul. In the soul. I'd like to talk to you today on the, on, on the topic, unpacking dead weight. Unpacking dead weight. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is talking about where we found ourselves before Christ. And if you are not a follower of Christ, if you are not a believer, my friend, there's no judgment and there's no condemnation. But let me ask you a question. Is the life that you're living actually producing new life? True life. So he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is not working those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. You know what the scripture is saying there? Even when you were in sin, 
even when your identity was sinner, he brought life there. I can guarantee you there is no person and no thing that will breathe life into something once they see it dead. Only God looks upon that which is dead and says, I still see life there. Somebody needs to hear that. You're not done. Things may be dying in your life, but there's still the breath of life, the power of God available to your life. So he goes on to say, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, for it is by grace you have been saved. See, before we were in sin. The Bible puts it this way, you were once dead, but because of God's mercy, because of his grace, his unmerited favor toward you, because he believes in the divine nature of the Almighty, that gene that he has placed within you, because he's the one who gives a crown of beauty for ashes. Because he's the one that, that calls us to speak to dead bones and said, rise up again. Because that's the God that we serve, the one who restores what the locust is eaten. That God says, I have made you alive. So why is it that some of us still pursue sinful ways? Things that just don't work. Why is it that we keep people around that we're better off without? Why is it that we're trying to build a new life in places where it can't grow? Why? And I submit to you it's because we believe we can reap life in dead places. We think that we can bring life out of dead things. We're taking the place of God. We convince ourselves that we can bring life to dead things, and so we end up dying instead of bringing life. My friend, you cannot obtain life from dead things. You cannot obtain life from dead things. It doesn't work. There was a day when Jesus told his disciples with great urgency, we're going to the other side of this body of water. It was emphatic. It was determined. It was urgent. And the scripture says that on the way there, they hit a storm. And this, or this storm hits them. And the disciples freak out. I don't have time to get into it, but they, 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 they freak out and they, they begin to think they're going to die. They question Jesus and his, his authority and if he even cared for them. And the scripture says that Jesus stands up because he was asleep. He was at rest. Not just physically, but he was at rest in the soul. You see, he had to get to the other side. So he gets up, he quiets, he speaks to the wind and the waves and they die down. And then he quiets the storm in the hearts of the disciples. And they get to the other side. And when they get to the other side, the, the scripture says clearly that a man who was demon-possessed, a man who was uh, oppressed and possessed with an impure spirit, came to him from the tombs to meet him. Get this picture. This man was a man with life living amongst the dead. He frequented dead things.
dead places, dead people. And the results were he was demon-possessed, no one could help him, and people's solution to his problems, to his conditions, was to put chains on him, but those chains didn't work. Couldn't stop the hurt, the anger, the rage, the demonic oppression. And the scripture says that he would cry out day and night from the tombs in the hill country, and he was cutting himself with stones, hurting himself. Everyone feared him. Everyone gave up on him. He lived alone amongst the dead. But the scripture says that when this man saw Jesus, he ran and he fell at the feet of Jesus because he was possessed by a legion of demons. And these demons cried out, what do you want with me, son of the most high God? This man was so far gone that he no longer had control in his life. His life was completely rendered as a tool for the destruction that the enemy wanted to bring into his life. But you see, Jesus came to do what no one else could and no one else would. He came to set him free from dead places. He came to restore life to a dead man. I got good news for you, my friend. No matter who you are, no matter what your struggle is, no matter the hurt that you carry, no matter how heavy life has become for you, Jesus has come to give you life. Jesus has come to give you life. Life. You know, I used to be that of the opinion years ago that following Jesus was a death sentence. <sighs> I gotta give up so much. You mean I gotta stop doing this? You mean I gotta change that? You mean you mean you mean I, I gotta I gotta act all holy? You mean I gotta look a certain way and act a certain way and talk a certain way, address a certain way, be a certain way, become something that I really don't want to be, but I have to be because I'm gonna proclaim now that I'm a follower of Christ, and it was just this way. And oftentimes we focus so much on the external that we forget that Jesus says, I have your best interests in mind. I came to bring you life. Life that originates in the soul. Life that restores peace. Life that brings you health from deep within. Life that gives you a new mindset, a new perspective, a new vision for life. Life that brings you purpose. So therefore... Jesus freed this man, the scripture says, from his oppression, from his torment in the soul. Listen to what Mark 5.15 says. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there. Watch this, dressed and in his what? Right mind. And they were afraid. It bugged people out to see this man free. It's interesting, but that, that term there, right mind, is the Greek word sophroneo. 
And what it speaks of is soundness of mind. But you got to understand that the soul is comprised of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so what Jesus did was this. He addressed what was in the soul. He restored him to soundness of mind, to the place where he could once again begin to exercise self-control and curb his own passions. That's what freedom in Christ does. It frees you to choose rightly. Are you hearing me? This man was oppressed in the soul. He was overloaded with baggage for the journey of life. And it led him to dead places. And I submit to you, my friend, that when we join ourselves to dead things, we get his same results. What are some of those results? We live under oppressive torment. The things we tell ourselves, the things we come to believe, the things that other people tell us, it becomes an open invitation for that to rock us in our mind and in our hearts. We develop destructive mindsets. Listen, there is destruction at work in your life if you think that you can be a follower of Christ and yet hold on to the things that kill your faith. Destructive mindset. What else happens? We hurt ourselves in different ways. Man, this guy wasn't just cutting himself with stones. He was propagating and feeding the very hurt that racked his heart. He was hurt, hurting, and hurting everyone around him. No one wanted anything to do with him. What else do we see? It's that we settle for loneliness. Everything around us withers. It dies. People give up. People want nothing to do with us. We choose it sometimes. I just need God. I believe in God. I got God. Let me ask you a question. If it's just you and God, how's that working? Because God, according to his word, designed it in such a way that we are one body made up of many members and we need one another. Unfortunately, too many people, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, too many people cling to dead things in hope that somehow they'll produce life. And what we don't realize is that we invite death in all areas of our life when we believe this way. This man embraced the dead. And it produced death all around him. Listen, when we, when we start playing with dead things, frequenting dead places, adopting dead mindsets, it brings death to your emotions, it brings death to your mindset, it brings death to the power of truth, it brings death by way of people, it brings death to your relationship with God. See, God doesn't move, we move. Let me, let me just go back to something because just, I'm just thinking about this right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me this way. Let's talk about dead people for a moment. You know what the scripture says? Bad company corrupts good character. That word corrupt there 
in the Greek literally refers to decay. It denigrates, it breaks down the very integrity and fabric and whole nature that God has deposited. It kills the very thing that God has created, a new creation. It saps the life from me. If you think about this, think about this a little bit deeper. The people around this man, they tried to control him, and when they couldn't, they canceled him. And when that didn't work, they outright just gave up on him and left him to live in his hurt. So great was the death in his circle of people that when Jesus set him free, get this, read this for yourself. They didn't celebrate his deliverance. You know what they did? The scripture says they told Jesus, you got to get out of this town. Hmm. May I encourage your faith, my friend? Master the pot of your heart. If the people, the places, and the things that you keep in your life don't encourage your freedom from a sinful life and from destructive results, and if they don't celebrate your freedom and point you to Jesus, you don't need them. Yes, sir. Hey, get this. Even in the body of Christ, there are wolves that come like sheep. They kill your faith. They twist the word. They rob you of that which is good and true. Instead, they seek to exert control, to tell you what you're supposed to look like and act like and be like. And there's room for correction, but my friend, if it is not scriptural and it doesn't encourage dependence on Christ and instead encourages dependence on people, run, because that's a dead place. So look, for the next couple of moments I have here, I want to just give you some things to consider so you can unpack dead weight. I'm telling you right now, you don't want dead weight. You hang around something dead long enough, those maggots that are eating it up will begin to cling to you and eat you up. You don't need it. You don't need it. The first thing I want to encourage you with is that sin is no longer the issue. What you remember is. Sin is no longer the issue. What you remember is. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Look, I'm not saying that we aren't subject to doing sinful things. I'm not saying that we don't fall short. Last time I checked, we all do, right? Come on, let's be real. Right? But what I am saying is that according to Scripture, Jesus dealt with the stain of sin. The Scripture says that he has washed you while you were your sin was as red as crimson, the scripture says. He has made you white as snow. The scripture says that as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed the stain of sin upon your life. He doesn't remember it. So get this. According to scripture, and I'm going to give you some scripture for this. I'm not giving you my opinion here. According to scripture, your identity is no longer sinner. Your identity now is saint, new creation, chosen, holy people. That's your identity. That's who you are. 
Don't buy into that, oh, we are sinners saved by grace. Which one is it? Are you saved or are you a sinner? Because grace saves, sin destroys. And because Jesus dealt with the stain of sin, with the power of sin in our lives, here's the reality. We no longer have to submit to its lore any longer. But we do. And you know what, what goes wrong when we do? It's not the action. It's what's happening in the soul. It's what we remember. Notice that the scripture gives us evidence that Jesus healed this man's soul. So when children of God lean toward a sinful life, the issue isn't sin per se. The issue is what you're doing with sin in your mind. What you're remembering according to that taste, that memory, that experience, those things that I used to desire and, and run to. I remember those things, and because I remember it, oh, I want it. How many of you like chocolate? Yeah. Come on, where are my chocolate lovers? Let me see you. Where you at? All right, I got a few chocolate lovers. Any strawberry lovers? Yeah. All right, let me talk to the Christians now. Any mint chocolate chip lovers? Okay, for those, you are saved. But you get all excited about chocolate and whatever flavor it is that you like, but the reason is that you like it so much, and it, and it makes you happy. Why? Because you've experienced it and you remember it. And you long for it. Yeah. Let me give you scripture for this. Romans 6, 5 through 11 says this. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Let me deviate for a moment. The scripture says this, that he became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. So I want you to start to get a picture. Jesus... We are united to him in a death like his. Sin died. And according to the scripture, we are also united with him in a resurrection like his, a new life. It goes on to say, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I didn't say that. God said that. Take it up with God if it rubs you the wrong way. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. It's a done deal. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the what? Same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me summarize this by saying this. The same thing that is true of Jesus is true of you. He nailed sin to the cross, and when you accepted Christ, sin was nailed to the cross. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. Not your way to carry but let me give you the, sol the solution to the challenge that many of us face. Because you're saying, so, so how come I still struggle in these areas? And the problem is you're not counting yourself dead to sin. If we could just put back up 
uh, verse 11, please, and just leave that up. I want you to see that it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me talk to you about that for a moment so that you can see what I'm talking about here, that sin isn't the issue, it's what we remember. The word there, count yourselves, in the Greek refers to making use of what you already have to your credit. How many of you know you can't use funds in an account that aren't there? You can only use what's available to you, what's on deposit, what's yours. Get this, according to scripture, you are the righteousness of God. You are not a sinner. You are free from those dead things. You don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to believe according to the way you used to see yourself. You don't have to expect a, a decay and dying away in every area of your life. You have a brand new life. It's a life that doesn't grow old. It's a life that brings power to your life. That equips you so that you can stand in righteousness. The problem is, some of us, we dwell so much on what we remember that we forget who we really are. According to the word of God, not Pastor Jose's opinion, according to the word of God, in the same manner that Jesus died to sin once for all, we have died to sin once and for all. It no longer has control over us, except if you spend your time, your mind, your will, and emotions there. The second point that I want to leave you with here today is that walking with Jesus is impossible if we aren't taking steps in obedience. Let me say that again. Walking with Jesus is impossible if we're not taking steps in obedience. What am I talking about? Look, truth is, we don't know this man's complete story up until this point. But what we do know is this. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. And I can just tell you this from personal experience, and I think that there are plenty of us that can attest to that. When you were not following Jesus, when we, not, when we were not on that path, we did not know the truth that has set us free. True? Right? Therefore, we were subject to Satan's destructive plans. We were on a path that while we thought it's my way or the highway and I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to be me and I'm going to do me and me, 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 at some point, we came to a place where we realized my way is the highway to destruction. I need God. This man did not know the truth, and therefore he was subject to the destructive influence of Satan in his life. And we see that he was jacked up. This guy was messed up. Conversely, the truth is that when we take steps to act upon the truth, no matter how hard it may be or no matter how much it challenges what we want 
because we remember. When we do what is right and good and godly, my friend, life gets easier because we begin to travel lighter. Let me remind you the promise of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And he doesn't say, give me your junk. He doesn't say that. Nowhere in that scripture does it say that. What does he say? Take my yoke upon you. In other words, you got to take what I'm giving you, which means you got to let go of what you've been carrying. Take my yoke upon you and watch the promise. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I give you rest in the soul. My friend, I submit to you, it's time to unpack dead things. Galatians 5, verse 1, and then we're going to skip over to verses 7 and 9. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says to the church of Galatia and to us, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Here's what he's saying. You're already free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again, watch this, by a yoke of slavery. Don't go back. It's signing up for slavery. Signing up for destruction. Verse 7, he goes on to say, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? to keep you from obeying the truth. He says, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. My friend, after coming to the knowledge of what is good and true and right, why would you want to go backwards? You know what I think the problem is? One of the problems is, as it relates to obeying just the truth, what the word says. Just following Jesus, doing the truth, doing what the truth says, living the way he commands us to. You know I think one of the problems is? I think that one of the problems is that we all believe, yes, I choose Jesus. I can choose Jesus. But then we also believe that we can choose the way we follow Jesus. You can choose Jesus. You can choose to follow Jesus, but you can't choose how to follow Jesus. We got to do what's right, what's true, what's good, and what honors God. You can't be a follower of Jesus and not obey his word. Now, let me be very clear. There's grace when you fall short. But just understand this. Grace covers and works in the place where the heart is after God, not where it's, I can do this because I have God's grace. When you believe I can live this way because God loves me anyway and I love Jesus, so I'm saved, my friend, you may be saved, but you will reap death and consequences throughout the remainder of your life. And let me tell you, that is disobedience because God never intended that life for you. See, those little things that we allow to creep back in, those thoughts, those desires, those habits, those destructive environments, those actions, are like the yeast that's used to make bread. It's just a little pinch. Just a little pinch. Just a little bit. 
But that little bit, according to the word of God, destroys the whole batch. Destroys your whole life. Go ahead and tell somebody, it's time to unpack some dead weight. Come on now, tell somebody else, it's time to unpack some dead weight. Got to let it go. It's time to unpack those bags. You don't need that for the journey of life. You don't need that as you follow Jesus. The last point that I want to leave you here with is that once you've experienced freedom, the next step is to follow Jesus. Once you've experienced freedom, the next step is to follow Jesus. Duh, Pastor Jose. Of course. Listen, when this man came to the place of soundness of mind, soundness in the soul, the scripture gives us evidence that he took his next necessary step. I think it's one that we would all be wise to employ in our lives. Listen to Mark chapter 5, verses 18, 18 through 20. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Begged to go with him. He begged him, please let me go with you. Scripture says in verse 19 that Jesus did not let him. It might sound like, well, Jesus didn't allow him to follow him. Not true. But Jesus said, the scripture says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Get this. Jesus says, you want to follow me? Okay. I don't want you to go physically where I'm going because I got business elsewhere and I need you to go there. I need you to take this life that you now have, and I need you to go and deposit that into the lives of others. I need you to bring life to dead places. My friend, there is a reason why the scripture says that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world because there still exists darkness. You are alive. To reproduce life. Verse 20 says, So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, that's talking about ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let me say this to you as we close here. The best way to live free and stay free is to start following Jesus, not just at the point of salvation where you accept him, but to now actually go wherever he's taking you. And that's a process. That's a process. When you come to the point of salvation, here's the next step. Okay, where is Jesus calling me to follow? He's calling you to discipleship. He's calling you to learn the word. But more importantly, not learn to regurgitate the word, but to learn who he is and who you are and what his promises are and how he, he loves you and his character towards you. 
and how he instructs you to navigate through life and circumstances and people. I want to encourage you to stand with me today as we come to a close. I want to speak to your heart. Some of us are robbing God and ourselves by wasting the miracle working power of the forgiveness of Christ because we've grown lax or we've given up on following him. We've accepted him as Lord, but we, we're not following him as Lord. We're quick to remember who we were, what we did, where we've been, and where we've gone wrong, and where we go wrong. And God is trying to cut that out of your soul for a reason. You know what they say? They say that when you prune branches, the reason why they prune them is not just simply to cut away a dead branch. What happens with branches, with trees and branches is that if you do not cut the dead branch, the rest of the tree expends so much energy and life trying to feed life to a dead place that it kills its own life. And today I feel like God is pruning in our lives. I know it hurts. I know you don't want me to go there. I know you don't want me to touch that place in your life. But baby, I'm telling you, man of God, I'm telling you, my son, my daughter, I'm telling you, if you don't take the correction and the instruction that I'm giving you right now, you will waste the life I've given you trying to resurrect a dead thing that doesn't belong in your life. And so today, I want to encourage you to join me and raise your heart to Jesus. I don't know your story and I don't know your situation and I'm not judging anyone. But what I will say is this. No word of God is spoken. No instruction comes from the word of God without it somehow speaking to a need in our lives. And if you recognize a dead place, a dead mindset, dead things, it's time to unpack it. Time to let go. Father, today we thank you for your word. It is true. It is life. And today it gives us life. Today we submit to your pruning, to your instruction. We believe what you tell us to be true. And today we surrender to you very possible there's someone here joining us. Maybe you're online. And man, you've been living in dead places, holding on to dead things, living dead ways. But today you recognize, I want life. I want true life. I want purpose. I want destiny. I want God. That's you, my friend. Here's what you need to know, that the scripture is true and that it says this, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died. He took on death so that we could have new life. Why? Because he so loved you that he gave his best so that you could walk into your best life, a life with him. 
If you believe that God loves you and that he gave his son to die for your sin as a payment for the penalty that was ours to pay and that he rose again so that you could rise again too. Won't you accept Christ today? Join us as we close in prayer. Let's say this together, my friends, here and online. Jesus, I believe you loved me so much that you gave your life for me so that I could have life. And so today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I thank you from this day forward because I now have new life, true life, an abundant life. I am free indeed. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.